1: Hello, this is Ida Linehan-Young, and you are listening to Tobin Tonight.
0: So Ida, my very first question for you is, uh, how are you?
1: I am pretty good, I have to say.
0: Well, that, that's, that's going to be the hardest question you're going to face tonight, I think. No, <laughs> I want to ask you basically, because we're going to go all over the place in this interview, but where originally did you get the idea to start writing? Because for me, I just, I, I watched Conan O'Brien and Saturday Night Live. And I'm like, dude, I want to do that. I want to be in broadcasting or comedy. So what got you into writing?
1: I guess, well, my first book was my story. So I had always wanted to write my story. But it was never so strong as when I watched uh, an episode actually of Land and Z. And they talked about a, a bunch of people that lived down on the Bjorn Peninsula. And they had been in a fire, oh, pro- I think it was around the same time as our house fire. And none of them were talking to each other. They were all like, Land and sea made it sound like they were hermits, (laughs) you know, and that everybody kind of went their own way and they didn't really live a good life uh, because of this fire that happened in Saskatchewan, but it happened to impact this community on the Mjorn Peninsula. So when I saw that, I I was like, I can help them. I can read a book that's going to help them. It's going to help people. And I didn't realize at the time that I was really helping my own community because our own community hadn't survived it either. And I was kind of, after coming from a burn camp in uh, Nova Scotia, and I had this in my head that, you know, it was an epiphany, and I was doing so wonderful, and, you know, I was going to write about this. And then I did, and I, I couldn't believe the difference even writing it down made. Like, it was just, it was amazing. So after my book came out, somebody did a review, and they said, well, this is a one-hit wonder, and I was like, Craig you! I'm gonna write more books." <laughs> so I wrote four more.
0: <laughs> it, it's interesting because for people that are outside Newfoundland, they they might understand like the land and sea, but it's like one of those shows that kind of focuses on basically. I like to call it like Newfoundland culture, Newfoundland stories. Like my mom and dad love watching it. I think they've got like DVDs upstairs, but we <laughs> don't have a DVD player, so then they just yeah. watch it when it comes on and. They love watching the stories. And I guess when you get, for me, when I get older and watch them, I get the kind of culture. When I was younger, I was like, man, this is boring. I don't want to watch yeah. this. But when you get older, you're like, oh, it's, oh, cult- okay. it, it, it's yeah. culture. <laughs>
1: Someone um, our age. Look at that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I I worry when they do land and sea and then someone's like, oh, I remember going to sea the wonderful grand band, I'd be like, all right, you're old. And then there's someone that will come on and be like, I remember going to see Rex Gowdy. I'm like, oh my God, I'm old. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Didn't hit you. Talking about obviously the fire. uh, I believe it was June, 1980. Yes. Uh, uh, Like you've lost five siblings in that as well. Yes.
1: So there was, I lost four brothers and a sister. So, Two of well, three of them were younger. My sister was younger, and two boys were younger, and there was two older than me. And I was burned actually in that fire, so I was would have probably been number six.
0: Okay, how old were you at this time? I was fifteen. Oh wow! I mean, yeah. I, I know, I know. Like again, you wrote about it in your book, and people, you know, can go out and buy the book and read about it. But like at fifteen, you're losing family members. Like, how yeah. did that make you? Like, how did you cope with that?
1: I I think the hardest part about being burnt at 15 was being 15, because I mean losing siblings was was really difficult. But being burned at 15, even I think, made it a little bit harder. And that uh, I don't mean that to sound like selfish or anything else, but I think it's harder on a person when they're that age for something like that to happen to them.
0: Because you're already going through so much at 15 anyway. Like Yeah, like
1: end. 15 is a yeah. hard time anyway. Like your hormones are kicking in and you're starting to notice boys. and You're starting to notice yourself. And then all of a sudden, like all that's taken away. And I mean, we I went from a family of, of 10, like there was 10 siblings in a, a big house going nuts all the time and went home and was only mom and dad and, and like a different house was being built and there was... Uh, you know, a plot of ground in the graveyard that was scraped clean. And, like, everything was just different. So I came from, uh, like, within a matter of two months, like, everything changed. You know, I didn't have not one thing of my own from the past, right? So that was really
0: difficult. How many of you are still left? So there was five
1: and five. So five lived and five died.
0: And so like, I, do you do you find at times, like, I guess now obviously getting older, like the, uh, you're obviously going to miss the other five, but do you find it at least somewhat comforting that you're not going through it by yourself? Like you have other siblings here that went through the same process.
1: We, we did all go through the same process, but we all went through it by ourselves.
0: Okay. So like
1: when I wrote my book uh, like it was 27 years later and yeah. it was the first time that any of us actually ever talked about how, like how the fire impacted us because okay. back then you didn't talk about anything like it was, and and people, even in the community, when I went to write the book, like I had to ask questions. Cause of course I wasn't there, right? Like I was burned and I was just taken away. So yeah. I wasn't there for any of it. And uh, when I was asking questions, like people couldn't talk to me, my uncle couldn't talk my, you know, people just wouldn't talk. They were like, no no we couldn't talk about that cuz we were afraid we'd make somebody cry and like you know you were told like don't don't you go bring that up so because nobody was bringing it up there was nobody talking about it so then because nobody was talking about it we didn't talk to each other about it so basically the book kind of brought us all kind of a little bit back together cuz we had all we were all kind of siloed like in our own little world i guess of hers
0: that's fair i i think it's interesting because i think in like the culture that we live in now there's more people that like want to talk like yes obviously there's still people that says like no one's going to listen to that don't talk about it but i yeah. feel like it's a little bit more open like i know it's oh
1: percent. Maybe- percent yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like i know that yeah. morning there was one fella one young fella he was my age he was in my class and he was there like throwing buckets of water on the on the fire and his father said like you better go home the bus will be down in a few minutes and he had to go home get dressed get on the bus and go over and write exams like in today's world that would never happen
0: no there would be like, like there was that. a whole be- class no. of grade-
1: yeah like it was brutal there was a whole craft class of grade 11s my brother was in grade 11 and there was a whole class of grade 11s wrote their exams and they didn't know if he was alive or dead like they were like he wasn't there And they knew there was a fire, so they didn't know if he was alive or dead, right? So, I mean, like, today, there'd be all kinds of counselors running at the school, and, you know, it was just, it was, was, like, nobody talked about it. Nobody did anything at the times. Yeah, because
0: I I kind of look at it from the standpoint now. I know it's a different scenario, but, like, when I'm comparing it to almost, like, mental health, like, back in the day, and it's kind of a two-way street for me because it's, like, I grew up in the 90s where it's like it wasn't really talked about, but I'm sure there's actors and actresses out there now that will gladly talk about it and say, listen, this was going on way before then. But now when you see so much of it being mental health and awareness of that, you're like, well, that's good. But on another side, you're kind of like, all right, like ease up a bit because I don't know if this is mental health that you're talking about. Or if it's just you're going through a situation that's tough.
1: So true, because like people are so eager now to wear a label because if you yeah. put it on on Facebook like that, you're, you know, you're depressed. Everybody's, oh, you poor thing. But like that only lasts for so long. And then people are like, well, yeah, hurry up and get over it. Like <laughs> we don't want to be hanging out with you, you know, and like it makes it hard on the people that are really going through something.
0: Yeah, because they see because they yeah. see that, and then they think, well, geez, that's a person that I could have confided in, but now I don't feel comfortable confiding yeah. in that person. Yeah.
1: And like I like I'm really not knocking mental health. Off. Oh no, no, I wouldn't. But there are people that, you know, like oh, for every little thing, there, you know, it's mental health. No, it's yeah. not. You're you know, yeah. you're having a bad day. Yeah, that's it, it's right.
0: I, <laughs> I, I've come to realize that, like. You know, there's point. There's points and places that you can kind of somewhat joke about. Like I, I like sometimes to say to people if they ask, like, "Are you depressed?" or are you, I'm like, "Listen, I'm depressed, but I don't think I'm like there's something mentally wrong there. It's just like I, I'm sad because this is the reason I can say that. Um, yeah. There are times that I'll make a joke about my OCD. Not that i have diagnosed with OCD, but it's like I like things a certain way. But if someone ever came to me and said, "Listen, OCD is actually pretty severe," I'd be like, "You know what? You're right. I'm sorry." But this is just my way of making a a joke at it. But it's not making fun of them at any point. No, no. Right. Like I've had people that would come up to me and years ago when I was at Carlton and it just kind of their words that just kind of float off your tongue. But I remember using it was like the R word retard. And someone was like, can you not use that around me? I'm like, you know what? I didn't mean it that way. But sure. Around you. Yeah and in the future i will try my best not to because it is some people take it the wrong way it's like i take the word not that i'm overly sensitive about it but when people say disability it's almost like okay when they put a light on of well he's disabled he's not able to do anything i'm like no 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 No, no, now you're taking it now you're taking it the wrong way taking it to the limit (laughs) yeah yeah um but yeah everyone has kind of i guess there's certain terms that people like that don't like but we're in a world, like I said before we even did this interview, where you got to be very careful what you say because yeah. it's like, yeah, well, I've got a video of him saying that word. It's like, okay, how many times did he say it? Oh, just the once. but we can cancel them, right? It's like,
1: yeah, let's yeah. get rid of him.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He used
1: uh, that word 500 years ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other thing I want to talk about as well is now, when you were mentioning about getting the review and someone was saying kind of like it was a one-hit wonder, I like that actually, because were you more or less driven then to say, like, Driven to show that person, like, listen, don't call me a one-hit wonder. I'm going to keep on writing more books or... Was there something else? So when you wrote the first book, you're like, I actually like doing this. So let's keep doing this.
1: I think it was a little bit of both, but I I don't think I had to, like, to me, I have, like, I don't believe I'm a writer still, right? Like I write books, but if someone says you're an author, I'm like, yeah, okay, I am. (laughs) Uh, So so, like, I still don't believe it. Actually, there's times I'll be like, no, like, that's not me. That's not me. But yeah, yeah. I think I I always liked writing, like even in high school, I'd write poems and, you know, I'd be writing little short stories and I'd write entries to send to the Herald, you know, when you were 14 and 15, you wanted to see yourself in the Herald and, <laughs> and things like that. So I, I think I was always a writer. And when I had the courage to write my own book, I was kind of a little bit full of myself when I was writing that, because I was like, oh, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm yeah. healed. And then at the lunch day, I was like, I am not healed. <laughs> so and I, I'm very competitive, too. Like, I I'm, i have a competitive streak. Don't ever tell me I can't do something. Like, if someone said you can't be the prime minister, and I had even a little tiny bit of a an inkling that i could like look yeah. out because i will be <laughs> I, I
0: i like that though the the answer there of more or less like being driven because i feel like when it's almost counterproductive because when someone says you can't do it it's almost like you would think that i was supposed to deflate you but then it doesn't and so you but then should. like yeah but then like when someone says you can absolutely do that you're like no i can't and it's like yeah. the opposite where it's like well they think i can so no i'm not going to <laughs>
1: yeah or then you have to do it like super you know haloed because they expect you to do it. But when they don't expect you, then like, and you, you surprise them. It's like, Oh, she could do it.
0: The the other thing that I I thought was kind of uh, interesting with your remark there was when you were saying that when you were writing it and then the day that was published you were like oh like you thought you were healed but you're not healed i i've read and people have told me like when you feel like a bit of anger or rage or whatever like you know start writing and then pretend that you're going to mail it to someone because that takes pretty much all the level out rather than in the world we live in now where you can still like send a text message instantly like you have to spend time writing yes did, did you find like during that writing process that there was some healing or something like it was getting it off your chest.
1: Well, I can tell you that from, from June, 19, 1980, until September the 7th, 2014, every single day, if I could, I could pick out any second of that fire, like any second, you could say, well, you know what happened? 10 seconds. And I could tell you, uh, but now that like, after I published a book, sometimes I have to go back to the book to see Right. So like 40, almost 40 years of of it. And I could, you know, like after I wrote it down now, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that happened. And I have to go back to the book, actually. And so, I mean, yes, if you write things down, there is a healing in writing.
0: Yeah, because I feel like especially over time, like, I mean, I've graduated university, maybe I want to say four or five years. But like, you know, you'll hear stories of like, remember that night when we did this or remember and like, sure, from a year when you when you left to two years when you left, you're probably like, oh, it's still vivid. But over time, whether like you make up stuff to make it sound better, or you make up stuff that you're like, hey, that this is Your how I happened. remember. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And it then happened. you, and then someone has to like be the in between where it's like, actually, this is what happened. You're like, oh, okay, not as bad as what I thought, but that's not how I remembered it. But yeah, like books are great in that aspect. Now, besides this book, I, I you've have written other books like uh, Being Mary Rue. Mary Rowe. Uh, yep. Mary Rowe, sorry. Uh yep. the, the promise, the liars, the stolen ones, which is the it's most recent new. one. Yeah. Yeah. But I like that you said that you're that you don't think yourself as an author, but when you get accomplishments like winning a I think it was like a silver medal for the last three, how do you like really take that? Because it's it's basically someone gratifying you with saying, This is good. Like well, we're reading it. I, yeah.
1: When I when I received it first I got an email saying that I was the winner, and so I sent a message to somebody who's a publisher. And I was like, is this a real thing? Like, did I read, like, is this a real award? Or is it something that you kind of buy? Like you pay for an award. And he came back and he said, no, he said, like, that is a big thing. I'm like, oh my God, well, I want a big thing. So it was, it was kind of surreal, but still, I don't know. Like, I guess you'll always second guess yourself no matter what you do.
0: Yeah, I guess there's like kind of like a little bit of a humbling experience to it. Like, you know, when you win an award... And you're kind of like, you're kind of grateful for it because in, in terms of to compare it maybe to an author, to a podcast, like if someone came across my podcast tomorrow and said like, Oh, this is like a great Newfoundland podcast. There's a part of me. That's like, well, that's nice. It's like, it's nice to be noticed, but I don't really see myself as a podcaster as much as more of, and I, I think, you know, kind of relating it to any Newfoundlander, it's just the storytelling. It's just having a conversation with people. You do it in the form of books. I do it in the form of interviews. Do you think it's kind of, I, I guess it's a little bit of a loaded question, but do you think it's kind of an easier aspect being a, a Newfoundlander where I know that you you kind of mentioned the bio that it was your father and grandfather's like storytelling aspect that kind of got you a little bit into writing as well. But do you think just being a Newfoundlander in that sense kind of helps as well? Because we're yeah. really good storytellers.
1: Yeah. For sure. But you know, like the art of storytelling and writing is two completely different things, right? Like it it is actually two separate identities that you have. You are a writer, but you're also a storyteller. If you were uh, in the storytelling circle, that's what you think. But like from being able to tell a story. I guess I do it through my writing. So like, there is, but there is technically a difference. Like if I went, if I went looking for a grant for storytelling, I'd be told like, you're not a storyteller, you're a writer. So yeah. like, go no away.
0: Yeah. I want to ask you now, because I, I actually do see some of the books that are displayed in the background there. What made you change into, I guess, doing more uh, novel based books?
1: um i think it was my grandmother if i could like really pinpoint the place i was always in awe of my grandmother like she was she didn't leave north harbour for very long like she left for a little bit but she lived her life a happy life in north harbour and like if anybody looked at her they'd say well you must have had a good life but how would you know you know (laughs) like when we look at at the amenities we have today like we had if we were all destitute now and put back in in 1900 i don't know that very many of us will be able to live like i i don't know no seriously i don't think we'd be able to survive right so like just a matter of being able to survive like all the books that are written from the 1800s like even back in them times you were written about men and like what men could do, men going to war, and men doing this, and men in politics. But there was nothing really about the women that were behind them. So I was more interested from my grandmother's perspective in what she would do if she was behind somebody.
0: Yeah, that's that's a fair point. I kind of laugh at it because it's like when you look at like the generational gap between people, like within the last few weeks, could have been the last few days, it was like when Facebook went down. <laughs> and, uh, like, I'm sure it's going to happen again with Facebook, Instagram. And I was just sitting there, and I remember if it, if we were younger, um, and MSN didn't work, I was like, all right, like, I'm just going to go down to my buddy's house and see what he was doing rather than message him. But, like, now it's almost like you get so accustomed to it where you're like, so these things it's are social, down. Yeah. yeah, yeah social media is like so, so yeah.
1: unsociable, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's like, these things are down. How am I supposed to connect with people? But, there's a whole age group that don't know about knocking on someone's door and you know going to see yeah. what they're doing. And then they were like, Oh my God, I've just lost everything. I'm just like, Yeah, you know, your friend only lives like three houses down. It's like But you couldn't no. even tell
1: that you couldn't yeah. even say that to anybody. Oh my God, I've lost everything because who were you going to tell? Because there's no, no there's no media to tell it. Yeah. You were singing out to the ceiling. Yeah. Oh, I lost yeah. everything. Well, the
0: ironic thing is when it start when it came back, a lot of people posted yeah or like wasn't it nice to like be off facebook yeah. and all that for a few hours i'm like you can do that anytime it's yeah, sad that it's, it actually has like f- that you yeah. you're forced yeah yeah i feel like they should do that more often where it's like oh sorry facebook is time down out, it's like it's like out. it's like go spend time with your families so they're like i guess if you tell me to i have to
1: in in the house if you turned off wi-fi it still don't help because you can get it on your phone
0: yeah well that's it like the kids today now have data and yeah, it's like when we, plans. when we didn't, it's like if your PlayStation 2 didn't work, because I don't know, just say why. Wi- well, we don't have Wi-Fi, but electronics. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's enough for that today. It's like, what's my neighbor doing? All right, let's go out and build yeah. a snowman well, or something. Yeah, or go out and play
1: hockey out in the <laughs> yeah, street yeah, or something, a, right?
0: Exactly.
1: Imagine yeah, today, ahead. though, like if you were told that there was, oh, there's no craft dinner. You have to go, you know, you have to go get potatoes, but you have to plant them first, you know, and. So like how many people really would survive?
0: Oh, I, I, between you and me, it's like if it's not a pizza pocket or a pizza or chicken nuggets (laughs) or something, I'm pretty much gone, but I'm okay with that. I'll be like, listen, you got the week of the herd already on the way. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask now with the, the newest one, the stolen ones, give me a little bit more, I guess for, for me and anyone who's listening, like a little bit more in detail about that book, how it came to be and how you found a reception so far.
1: Okay, well it's only out uh like eight seven or eight weeks, so it's pretty new. Yeah but when So, I, so when people I wrote, are
0: basically loving it already, lo- <laughs> Yes,
1: oh absolutely. <laughs> uh but when I when I wrote Being Mary Row was my first one and I had no intentions of writing another one. And then everybody was like, Oh my God, they felt like my mother, my you know, my yeah. it felt like my grandmother. Like, please tell me more. So I was like, Okay, I'll no, another no. One.
0: Be, be honest, Ida, what actually happened is that reviewer came back and said, two hit wonder. And then you said, <laughs> no, no.
1: She's, she's not reviewing no more. <laughs> <laughs> so then I wrote the second one, which was the promise. And like somebody reviewed me and Mary and They said, well, it's all nice. if it's all wrapped up. You know, if you like something all wrapped up in a bow and I was like, well, shaggy now I'm not going to wrap this one up in a bow. So this one I left on a cliffhanger and like, I had people meet me on the trail. I was out for a walk on the trail. And this woman said, I was reading that book, and I can't stand what you did with that girl. <laughs> I was like, what did I do? <laughs> I said, you have to read the next one. So then I had The Liars, which was the follow up to, to The Promise. And then I kind of thought it was finished. But in the beginning, the first book, Mary and Peter didn't have a story. So that their story' in the stolen ones, but then i I wasn't sure how I was going to present it. So I started actually like it it's written as if it was this this year, like this summer, okay. and two two people came home because they were DNA linked to Mary and Peter from being Mary Rowe, and they they read journals to try to figure out how they are related to Mary and Peter. So the story is told so that Mary and Peter get their stories, but they get it through this journal. And then you also get a look at like COVID-19, like the the girl in the story, her mom dies from COVID and they're still like trying to get over that. And, you know, so there's there's a lot of, to the, if it's, if it's accurate in the past, it has to be accurate in the present. So, and now I wrote it in December, hoping that you could really gather in July or August. And we could kind of, so it makes sense, like that it, it matches sort of today.
0: Now, like, are these based on actual, like, like not that you're going to actually give them the names of these people, but is, is it based on more or less fiction or kind of like you're creating it as it goes? Like you're, you're kind of creating the whole atmosphere or are they based on experiences that you've had?
1: Well, some of them are experiences, but a lot of it is on history itself. Uh, Like, say, for example, in The Stolen Ones, Mary and Peter, who are are like in their journal, they go to Fox Harbor in 1900. And in 1900, two children disappeared in Fox Harbor, were never seen or heard tell of again. Like their parents went to their grave without knowing what happened to their two children. They went after to get rabbits in the woods and didn't come back. And 40 years later, somebody confessed to the murder, but the mom and dad were gone then. So I bring that into the story. Like they, Mary and Peter go to, uh, you know, Fox Harbor to deliver her baby, and the two children are gone and they're out looking for the children. So I always try to put, like, historical truths, I guess as truth as you can get it, in the story. And, like, another example was a a man from uh, Point Leamington, was buried alive in the war, like in World War One, and his thumb moved, and someone saw while they were burying him, and they pulled him out of the grave. So, like I incorporate that story into this book too. So, like all the st- all the books have real real facts from Newfoundland in them. It's I just mean, the characters are yeah. not real.
0: I mean, it sounds like a great a kind of a great book for Halloween. Like, <laughs> 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 and writing all these. Uh, well in the last three novels and your own kind of story like what kind of things excite you about writing because like i i you know sometimes you hear people get writer's block or they get stuck like do, have you ever experienced that and how do you get past that
1: I, I don't know if i had writer's block during like the pandemic was a perfect time to write like yeah. i could have churned out 10 books because what else were you going at you were sitting at home but <laughs> i i didn't want to write like i didn't want that to be part of my history that i wrote books during the pandemic sort of thing and so it wasn't that i had writers block i just didn't want to write and i don't think that that's block it's just didn't want to write
0: it's better to write nothing than write like something that's really not something that you like you're focused on basically yeah
1: and i already had to start at the stolen ones like i had it re- like started and probably twenty thousand words in it and i'd pick it up and i'd say no i'm not gonna add it and then i'd pick it up and i'd say no i'm not gonna edit because i wanted to enjoy the writing experience and i wasn't enjoying like the, being for not being forced to be home but i wasn't enjoying the solitude <laughs> yeah. it, it, like in a writing way sort of thing but then christmas came and i was like okay i promised everybody i'd have a book i'd have another book out next year so i better get at it so like this was Christmas.
0: That's when they are actually forcing you to stay home. That's yeah. when you seize you <laughs> your neighbors and people reading the other yeah. books and saying, what are you doing out shopping? Get back in and write that book. <laughs> well, my husband was
1: working too. So he was working like Christmas Day and everything. So I was like, all right, so I'm going to have to do something. So I sat down and it was just like a, it came to me. And I wrote feverishly for seven or eight days. And I had to book like it was just like an epiphany. And I just I had to book.
0: How long, like now in seven, eight days, like, is that how long it takes you to write a whole book? Or is that like how long it takes just to, because I was going to say. About a year.
1: It takes about a year. But like if you're, I had the research done. So in fairness, like I had already taken a long time, but like the 50,000 words that I needed came in actually like seven or eight days so okay uh, but but like in order for me i like to do research so a friend of mine sends me like a a thing and she'll say are you interested in this and i'll look at and i'll say yeah maybe i might be able to work that in and uh, but then i has to go like really look so like in the lawyers, which like i am so proud of that this happened last year in the lawyers, i found from writing the promise this story about this uh, Ez, uh, Ezra, who was, the uh, Ephraim his real name was, he was an Eskimo in Labrador, and he was referred to as Ephraim the Eskimo, and he was, it was written about in these Moravian journals, and he killed his first wife. He married this other lady, and he killed her son so he could marry or, you know, go with the daughter, and like this was real life. And the first girl, like, she was never mentioned again until I found his journal, a journal entry that he admitted to killing her, like, when he was dying in jail. So he did, divide, died of tuberculosis, like, in, in 1900 or something. But she was, like, she was forgotten about. So I got her name added to the missing and murdered list. Okay. So, like, and she was, she's, her name is spoken aloud now. And I gave her the first chapter in The Liars, like as a kind of a tribute to her. Okay. Yeah. So I was really proud of that, right? Like I found her and she was forgotten about. So it was good. It was a good thing.
0: Yeah. Like now you. It seemed like you like the, the whole kind of history buff for like the history side loved, of things. Like, yeah. Cause I was going to say like, it feels like I have a brother that like wa- loves watching unsolved mysteries to the point where it's like, I know what the theme song is before I enter a room. Um, <laughs> like I'm more or less into the comedy side of things, but like each person has their interest. So I'm kind of wondering like based on, and feel free to like stop me or say it's not correct, but like based on your obviously story about the fire, like, did that kind of lead you into, like, the path of how you do your novels? Because, like, there is sort of a mystery where people weren't telling you the whole story. And then now you're kind of, like, piecing it together. So now that your novels are kind of somewhat like that?
1: I, I don't think so. But now when I wrote Being Mary Rowe, I remember the the per, the guy that goes, out like, when we go out selling books from the publisher, he's yeah. out, he says to me, he said, you're like Mary Rowe. And I was like, why? He said, you just like her.
0: That's when <laughs> so, you took a purse and smacked my face.
1: <laughs> so he said, he said like my, the women characters are strong women. Like my mom was strong and, and I guess I had to be strong and my grandmother was strong. So like he said, he said, that's where you're getting your characters. Like, and, and it's mostly women characters in there, like in, in each of the books. So he was like, that's where you get to.
0: he said, you're yeah. Mary Rowe. I feel like in my family, so like my – so I know my nan was a very kind of strong woman, lost her husband I think relatively – well, when when my mom was relatively young. Now, she she impasses that too, but it's like I remember when you were smaller and you wouldn't get away with anything in the house because it was just more or less like down your throat. And still to this day, you're 30 years old and she's still down or going like, no, no. And I'm just like, all right, you got to give it up at some point. And then it's like, no. And it's funny because there are obviously flaws that you like about people. Like I, I get sometimes when people say, Jesus, he's some strong witted or he's, he got some strong head on him. And I'm just like, good. And then there's other people like, I want that on my team. And I'm like, good. So it's, it, it comes in like different packages, but I want to ask you now with the stolen ones, like that's, relatively new so i feel like give it some time to breathe there brian but <laughs> do you see yourself doing a follow-up like in 2022 because it seems like every year you have a new book at least well down.
1: i have actually two more books in the hopper so oh, there you but go. One, one of them is my mom's story so i'm halfway through that but like when i'm writing my characters so i i like to be like when i was writing being mary Row, i was mary When I was writing The Promise, I was Aerith. And when I was writing The Stolen Ones, I was, you know, I was either Peter at some times or else I was Darlene at others. So, like, it depends. But I can't, for the life of me, get into my mom's head. Like, I don't want to be there. (laughs) So, I mean, she lost five kids, right? And, like, she had a hard life. So, I don't want, I I can't, I I can't get in there. Like, and I, I find it really, really hard. And then I did this other course, just like a, a writing course, and uh, we had to do assignments. So I was like, all right, I'll throw something together, like for the first night. And then after 10 nights here, I had like a half a book. So, but it's it's more like on a spooky fiction. <laughs> it's not it's not on, on any kind of a, like historical thing. It's just, it's called speculative fiction, which is kind of just like, you know, not real life, but... A little bit on the other the other side of the realm so i'm i'm going to do that one too but i don't know if i'm going to be either Hen young on that i might be just if young or something i don't like because i okay. want to write more historical fiction and memoir and i yeah. don't want to kind of associate one with the other because people might say oh like she's gone off her head now i'm not <laughs> i'm not going to read her anymore <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i mean it's interesting because like i i've never thought of it that way but i guess with any aspect it's like you know i i was never really big into harry potter books but just say i knew a lot of people that were so like i think it's like jk rowling does it but like yeah. if you just r- randomly one day came across just like it wasn't jk rowling it was maybe like you know she actually used her first name and r at the end You like people don't go into the history of it they'll just be like oh like a new author like that's cool And then years later, after you like both books, you're like, ah, I don't like these books anymore because she differed them. I'm just like, no, shut up. You liked both of them. Stop (laughs) it. Now you're just being picky. So I I get why people do it. It's like if I wanted to do this podcast interview guests and I want to do like a 90s based podcast and call it Tobin Does 90s, people be like, yeah, he's doing the same thing. But if you went completely different, (laughs) then people would be like, I like this guy. He's a cool host. It's like, you know, he's the same guy. No, no, I don't like it anymore it's like
1: yeah right. no, and, and like i don't want people like i know people i have a lot of followers um, which i'm grateful for and they like the historical fiction yeah. part. so i wouldn't want them to go pick up a book belong to me uh you know and that's uh, not intent like if they had to know it was a different genre exactly. i mean yeah, i'll yeah. be open about it but yeah. but you know like if they don't want that genre then they don't have to You know, like stay away from it. Yeah,
0: like it's almost like they see the name, they associate with a genre, they get home. they are going like, oh my god, another
1: story about Mary Rowe, I'm going to get that. And then when they they read it, they're like, holy moly, what the hell (laughs) happened
0: (laughs) to (laughs) her? Yeah, no, that's fair. I want to like to kind of clue up the interview here because we're close to the ending there now. But what do you see in? in mind for I guess the future because you you said earlier you don't consider yourself so much an author but like you do enjoy writing books I
1: love writing I love writing
0: so obviously I guess you're going to keep on writing books but like what do you see like what's your what's your goal more or less in the future for this because I know when you get publishers to publish it after a while, they're going to come and be like, well, she's doing really good in these books. Like, you're, they're going to probably start forcing you to write more. But like, <laughs> what's what's your goal at the end of the day for all of it?
1: Well, I got a, a place name now called Juniper Tickle and I got some characters that uh, I don't know if I'm going to like re- start looking up more historical Newfoundland facts or just like make it kind of historical without the facts. Yeah. And and just do maybe three or four books in another series, just not as complex maybe as this one, because this one started out not as a series. And it's some hard to try to piece together everything like and and intertwine everything and remember where everybody was. Like I had sheets of paper everywhere saying she was there on this timeline. She was there on this stuff. So like you got to be careful, right, because people know. So I, I'm next time I'm going to start off with a series and actually like plot, Matthew Ledru will say oh she's going Platon, but yeah. I'll I'll have like an idea of what I'm going to do for each of the books.
0: Oh, that's that's fair. Now the, I guess the kind of a follow up to that, like I know earlier we were saying about like the influence for writing and all this came to be, but like are there certain I guess authors or books that you'll read over and over again. Cause like, listen, I'm not really a book person. I'm more of like a podcast person or listening. Mm-hmm. Like I listen to audio stuff all the time.
1: Uh, four of my books are in audio. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Four I, I seen that. So, I mean like for someone like me, that's good because it's more like you're, you're keeping up with trends, which is good as well. I've got parents upstairs. You try to play an audio book for them. They'll tell you to shut up. But <laughs> I, that, I wouldn't yeah. have
1: listened to one like two years ago. No way. Yeah. But then I, I was driving. My daughter lives in Batwood and I drives to Batwood and I listen yeah. to a book. I yeah. almost don't want to visit them, because I almost want to come back and listen, to,
0: yeah, yeah. listen just, to the rest. Yeah, just be like, I drove out her, and just the book finished. Yeah, just to listen to the book, and then they're like, I'm going to go by, because I want to listen to I got three
1: more this. chapters. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to ask you, like, are there anyone's, like, any authors out there now that you're kind of, like, interested, in? or even mm. just taking stuff, that ripping off, obviously, but, like, getting inspired by?
1: I, I just like to read historical fiction, but there's not a lot that yeah i don't know like i i try actually to stay away from books for that reason because yeah, i don't want to be not blamed but i don't want yeah. to i don't want to be influenced by somebody else's stories well, i want my stories to be my own
0: that's fair and that's I why like, i purposely stay yeah. away
1: from reading actually
0: <laughs> i feel the same way when someone says what's your like favorite podcasters i feel like a little bit of an ass when they're just they're like wait you don't listen to other people's podcasts i'm like well, not like exclusively. Like, if it's a good episode, I'll listen to it. But yeah. they're like, "Well, how are you supposed to get better?" I'm like, "Well, if anything, they'll never accuse me of ripping them off because I don't know what they're doing."
1: <laughs> that's right, and that's what, that's the way I am. I don't want. I don't want to. Like being influenced
0: by somebody else's. Yeah. So minute, one minute, one minute, you like, your story goes a whole different direction. They're like, that sounds a lot like this novel. Did you read that? You're like, oh, yes, I loved it. I know, I couldn't put it down. Actually, you know what? You're right. Yeah.
1: This is the same, same <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thank you for listening and good night. Hey listeners, I'm Christy and I'm Melissa and this is Buried Motives where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirtbags that live among us. And the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the
1: voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music or head
0: over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What she said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.